What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It is August, and we've got a big show to kick off the month. We've got football this week, the Hall of Fame game coming up on Thursday. Jacksonville and the Raiders. Preseason starts in full swing the week after that. And we've got position previews beginning on Thursday this week. So it is officially fantasy football season. And we are officially excited as hell to get going here. But we do have to talk about Deshaun Watson as he's been handed a six-game suspension, which is still subject to appeal from the NFL. Welcome, everybody, and happy Monday. Happy fantasy football season. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg here on Fantasy Football Today. We'll not have time for your emails, most likely, but send them in at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Jamie's all dressed sharply because he was just on CBS Sports HQ reacting to the Deshaun Watson news. Let's react to it right now. Jamie? What's your take? Six-game suspension. Again, still, the NFL could appeal, and then it would go to Roger Goodell. So I don't know if uh, Deshaun Watson is out of the woods right now, but if it is a six-game suspension, give me your your basic reaction here, and then we'll get into the rankings and the draftings and all that. Uh, I'd be surprised if, if the NFL appealed this, um, although the Calvin Ridley suspension just keeps ringing in my head that he got a year for what he did. Um. But in any event, I, I think, you know, when you look at uh, Watson's fantasy value, you know, he's at that position where, you know, you, you swing for the fences and he's got number one upside. He's got top 10 upside. He's got top five upside. And so if you can survive the first six games and we know that it's easy to take, you know, a second quarterback unless it's a, you know, super flex or two QB league. Um, I mean, he's he's right now I, I, I ranked him 12th. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I put him in the top 10 on a per game basis. He has that upside. Um, we, we've certainly seen it with lesser talent around him. Now he's got an amazing offensive line, you know, quality coach, uh, and, and some decent weapons, you know, not the, the full weaponry that weaponry that you would like to see, but, uh, he'll make enough plays with his legs. So if you can survive the first six games of the season, you know, maybe you're three and three, uh, you get that guy back for week seven on, um, you got a pretty good chance to win your league. If you're running back and quarter and, and receiver depth is as good as it hopefully can be. Yeah, in his rookie season in 2017, he took the world by storm, 19 touchdowns in seven games, six starts, and he was the number one quarterback per game. Since then, in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, on a per-game basis, Watson has been number four, number four, and number six. And in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues, he's been number six per game, three straight seasons. So he's never finished higher than fourth, but you know he's he's been kind of hampered by low pass volume, uh, maybe some bad touchdown luck, that kind of stuff. He's been great, though. So, Dave, we talked about how you can draft Trey Lance, who's been a riser. You can draft Trey Lance before you draft a guy like Rodgers or Cousins or maybe even Stafford, Carr, something like that. If you, Maybe you could take the same approach with Watson. And, you know, if you could draft Watson and then draft a, a steady starter or something like that, who would you draft first at this point, Trey Lance or Deshaun Watson? Trey Lance. I would rather have the chance at Lance uh, for the first six weeks of the season, and I'll know where he stands for those six games. If he's good, he's my quarterback the rest of the year, and he should be good week one against Chicago, week two against Seattle. So I'm I'm expecting Trey Lance to get off to a good start statistically and to keep the job. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't see being on the 49ers. He'll have job security. It'll be fine. So I'm taking Trey Lance ahead of him. I'm taking Kirk Cousins ahead of him. I'm taking Derek Carr ahead of Deshaun Watson. 
Uh, I drew the line at Tua Tungavailoa, and I do think that Tua does have some upside, but he doesn't have the same type of upside as Deshaun Watson. So Watson's going to be lower for me. He's going to be 16th, and we just we we were assuming he's going to be exactly the same player that he was when we last saw him play in Houston. Now he's going to Cleveland. It's a completely different situation. I think it's the worst receiving core that he's ever had to deal with. I am not certain that they are just going to unleash Deshaun Watson and let him throw like crazy. They might, but I I would imagine that he'll be reined in quite a bit. He was reined in at times at Houston, but for the most part, he had his way and he got to throw quite a bit. And he was not only hyper efficient, but he scored a lot of touchdowns. I am nervous about that in Baltimore or Baltimore in Cleveland. And when he comes back, he's playing Baltimore. He's playing Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami. The, his schedule when he comes back is tough. The easy part of the Browns schedule, no question about it. It's those first six games. And that it's, it's a good reason to get behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and they can help you get off to a real fast start on your fantasy team. But I'm just, I'm not convinced that Deshaun Watson's going to come back and be a top six fantasy quarterback. Pretty much any other passer that's got high upside, maybe not as much upside as Watson, but high enough upside, I'll take for the full fantasy season. Remember, these first six games, man, that's almost half of your fantasy regular season. Yeah. So I, I totally get the idea of putting Watson on your team. I'll do it in round 12. I'll do it. I'll put him on my bench in round 12 just to see what happens. But there's no guarantee that he's going to be worth um, a round eight pick or something like that. He could. He could be outstanding, but he could also be a bust, and there's definitely room for him to be a pain in the butt on your bench for the first six weeks of the season. Okay. Jamie, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to respond. I just think you're probably more optimistic about his performance, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm trusting the talent. I, I I don't really care about the schedule when it comes to him. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Baltimore's defense uh, being great, by the way, anyway, especially watching Hamilton try to cover some of his own teammates yesterday. Um, uh, in any event, I, I think, you know, talent will win out here. I think he's 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 proven to be one of the best fantasy quarterbacks. Um, I'm hoping the, the time off will not hinder that. Um, I do think that his, his system will be great. I think this would be the most protected that he's been. And uh, in terms of being held back, I, I can't imagine that they made the investment that they did in him to say, go be Baker Mayfield, <laughs> you know, go be game manager. You know, they're going to let him play and, and they're going to let him make, you know, plays to what I would assume they, in their mind, would allow them to, you know, get to a point where they're, you know, competing for a Super Bowl. And he has that type of upside, that type of talent. Okay. They've been 28th in pass attempts each of the past two seasons. Yeah, that's going to change. <laughs> so what? I agree. I don't think they're going to be 28th, but I don't think they're going to be 8th. Well, uh, what do you think? A middle of the pack? Maybe, yeah. maybe a little below. Hold the fifteen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see them being a you twentieth know, or something. I still, I still feel the like they're a run-heavy team. Uh, do, aren't it's, they? Are, if they're not a run-heavy team, then, then what does that mean for Nick Chubb? You know, I mean, oh, it means it's big trouble for Nick Chubb. Well, they could be just a better offensive team to begin with. It could be, yeah. Or it could mean more catches for Chubb. And and remember, look, it's not like he needs his passing prowess just to be. The reason why he's a good fantasy quarterback, he's going to sure. make plays he can his run. Life. Sure, uh, Dave, Mister Unite Us All, I like that. Says Dave, last week you said in a superflex you would aim for two of the first fifteen quarterbacks. Do you like Watson enough to make it two of the first sixteen quarterbacks? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then you know what you got to do with with uh, prioritizing a third quarterback because you got to fill in those first six games. Okay, and, and you don't want it to be Jacoby Brissett. Some, right, you got to aim higher than Jacoby. And somebody said, McGruber, great underrated movie, said, going to be hard to separate my personal feelings from fantasy implications with the Watson news. And I'll just say, you know, we're not going to get into that. That's a personal decision. We're just going to give the fantasy analysis. You know, it's a sensitive subject, and I get that. But at this point, I think all we can do is, is just give the fantasy analysis. All right, let's finish up this fantasy analysis with the rest of the Browns. Okay, so when do you draft? You guys talked about Sean Watson. When do you draft Nick Chubb? I never moved Chubb, uh, you know, with the, a, the the wide range of Watson not being suspended to missing the entire season. You know, I, I think his role in the offense is solidified. You know, if there was no Kareem Hunt, he'd be ranked as a top five guy. Uh, unfortunately, because of Kareem Hunt and potentially whatever they decide to do with the Ernest Johnson and maybe Jerome Ford, if uh, one of those guys get moved, um, you know, Chubb is still going to be a contender to lead the NFL in rushing. He's going to be limited as a pass catcher. Um, so, you know, he's got... 1,200 to 1,500 yard rushing potential, you know, two to 300 yard receiving potential. He's got a double digit touchdown potential. And so he's a pick 
round two in non-PPR, round three in, in PPR, just because of his you know lack of involvement in the passing game. Kareem Hunt is still a high-end flex, a uh, lottery ticket type of guy as we were ranking the um, the handcuff running backs. He's, he's in the, the, the near the top of the list, if not at the top. And <clears throat> you just know what you're getting. You know, he's going to be heavily involved, especially with the receiving core looking like it is. I think he'll be heavily involved in the passing game. Um, so those two guys really didn't move, and I, I'm not going to move them at all as well. All right, what about Amari Cooper, Dave? I've got him in round seven. I'm not excited about him. I think he'll be compiler guy, someone who's just he'll, – he'll get a decent amount of targets each week. He'll get you a floor of around 10, 12 PPR points per week. He'll score a few times. I don't see him being a dynamo. Certainly without Deshaun Watson, it's not going to happen. You almost don't want to use him the first six weeks of the season if you don't have to. But he'll, he'll have a little bit more upside. Maybe he hits that floor way more often in the first six weeks, and then you up that number closer to 15 for the for the last 11 games what, that they're with Deshaun Watson. When would you draft him if Watson were not suspended at all? He'd be much higher for me. He'd probably be in that round four or five range. He's in round five for me now. I mean, yeah. You just you you deal with whatever you get in the first six weeks, and then difference maker rest of the way. Yeah. There's enough receivers that you can take in round five. There certainly are, but there aren't Cooper. as many as have that have the upside that he has with the amount of targets that he's going to get from this guy. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I, if he was not suspended, he'd be a top ten wide receiver. I remember taking him in the middle of the third round in a draft. Yeah, you know before. I obviously I, I did it with it was after the Watson trade and it was so Watson and, and Cooper were on the Browns. I did it as if Watson were not going to be suspended, but that was in my mind right when, you know, we start talking about T Higgins right there in the middle of round three. That felt like a great spot for Cooper. The number one wide receiver for Deshaun Watson is always a fantasy superstar. It's been DeAndre Hopkins. It was Will Fuller. And then when Will Fuller got suspended, it was Brandon Cooks for the last six games of that season. Um, so I don't know, David. Felt felt like you're a little lower than I thought you'd be on Cooper. Yeah, I'm just I'm not as excited. Okay, all right. He's gonna get funneled targets. It's just there's so much upside. You know who I am excited about though? It's because of the draft value. Is David Njoku? Before we get to that, I mean, can, his value's going to improve though. Can we just and follow? His value will improve, can, but he's he's going to end up being drafted as a top twelve tight end. All right, I'll get to him. I promise. I, I just want to know: is there a second Cleveland wide receiver worth drafting, or should we just wait six weeks? Njoku is that guy. All right. Yeah, I, I think you waited out. I mean, you know, you've gotten the reports about the the connection with Peoples Jones. Um, David Bell, I, I believe, is still on the pop list. I know he hasn't done anything yet. So, you know, we'll see what happens there because he's going to be the slot receiver uh, along with Cooper. You know, but when they go three wide, he'll probably be the one playing inside. And you know, guy that coming out of college certainly proved that he can be a high volume catch guy as well. Um, I I think though, Peoples Jones will be the type of receiver you know that you you. The MVS is the, the the big play guys that you just can't rely on week in, week out, but, you know, can be a two-touchdown guy on a, on a certain week. Uh, much better DFS play. But, um, yeah, I think you're better off just, you know, kind of waiting it out. You know, week four, week five, depending on how the waiver wire looks for you, you know, get him a week ahead of time, two weeks ahead of time before Watson comes back. And then maybe you have uh, not a breakout player, but, you know, somebody that can end up being a third receiver in a three-receiver league. Well, then, so do we draft Najoku? I can't you stash can a second tight end, I think, for six weeks. You know, or do we just pick him up later in the year? Again, I, I, I think, you know, you'll get enough production from Jacoby Brissett. As bad as Brissett is, it's not like he's not going to connect with his receivers and they're not going to make plays. They're not going to make the same type of plays that they'll make with Watson, but they're still going to make plays. But where do you and have so, Njoku ranked? Huh? Where do you have Njoku ranked? Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting to it right now, you know, so he'll be, as Dave said, right in the, in the neighborhood of top 12 guys, you know, with Pat Fryermuth and, um, Irv Smith and and uh, Dawson Knox, you know, he's th- there's a clear top eleven for me that Najoku won't crack, so I won't put him ahead of Kolkomet. But in those touchdown dependent guys um, in PPR, I probably would take a chance on Najoku ahead of them. But I'm in saying, where do you where, the touchdown guys. where do you rank now? Where, where did oh, you have ranked? To, yeah, yeah. Prior to Watson, he was like 17. Right, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, why am I going to stash that for six weeks when I don't know that the payoff is going to be that great? Well, I, I had him ranked. My rankings were with the thought of Watson being suspended a full year. I know. I just, if we think he's not going to basically be worth rostering for six weeks, it's going to be... Then you shouldn't draft him. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I think well, he, that's I how think you feel. He, Again, I think he's still going to have some level of production. Right. Okay. He's All not right. putting up zero. I won't believe it. Yeah, he's not, but but it's going to be hard to take him as a... I don't know. And it's an easy schedule. Remember, these uh, first not, six it's weeks not that for easy. are easy. Run it down. 
It, the first four are probably Carolina, Jets, Steelers, Falcons. Steelers might that, not that, be. That, that, Steelers could be tough. Carolina could be tricky. Yeah, actually, Carolina, Carolina Pittsburgh might not be. Jets and Falcons should be pretty easy. Then you have the yeah. Chargers and then the Patriots. Not according to Dean Pease. <laughs> Chargers are going to have to throw and play from behind. Brissette's yeah, but be they, under pressure all game but long. What you, you gonna, if Derwin James is covering tight ends, are you going to start David Njoku with Jacoby Brissett in week five? And then the Patriots no, are the best Njoku's against tight ends every year. the first four weeks of the season. Right, but right. I'm, you're drafting Njoku late with the idea that he's your streamer to begin the year. And if he catches fire, then you've got a tight end solved all year. Well, you'll hear more about this on CBS Sports HQ at noon Eastern every day for the rest of your life because it is Fantasy Football Today time. The video version hosted by Jamie will be uh, on CBS Sports HQ noon Eastern Monday through Friday. And then once the season starts, they'll have the Sunday morning extravaganza to get your lineup set and get you ready for the games. You need to download the CBS Sports app. That's where you can watch HQ 24-7. So I have it on my Roku. You can have it on your Apple TV, your Amazon Fire, whatever, your smart TV, CBS Sports app. That's where you watch CBS Sports HQ. It is 24-7. It is free. It is sports coverage that you will not get anywhere else. There's gambling coverage. There's fantasy coverage. There's not people screaming at each other about who the best coach in football. It's not that kind of stuff. Okay, we leave that to the other people. Um, you're going to love CBS Sports HQ and Fantasy Football Today airs noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. I'd like to give an apology to all of our loyal listeners who've been sending Fantasy Cops emails. It's like the best segment we have, and I haven't done it. I'll have to find some time for it, and I apologize. It won't be today. But Fantasy Cops, I'm bringing them back. They'll be back. Uh, so sorry about that for not getting to those. Uh, I would spend more time on the news, but I do want to get to everyone as a bust. We Hopefully, we'll be able to talk about 12 players today. So, Dave, let's start with you. What's the biggest news, other than Deshaun Watson, biggest news or nugget or whatever that you saw from over the weekend? The biggest news? Debo. What happened? Debo. Debo getting his contract or DK getting his contract? Uh, I know what it is. I'll help you out. It's, it's No, no, no. I, I was going to say Chris Godwin still not participating in practice, and we're going into week two of training camp in Tampa Bay. Okay, so what what does this mean for you as you try to evaluate your rankings with Chris Godwin? I'm I'm wondering if I've got him too high, and I'm wondering what what the Bucks are thinking by not putting him on the pup list in the first place. I I read a report I shared it with you, Adam. It's from one of the Bucks fan sites that's been around forever. I think it's JoeBucksFan.com, where they were told that Godwin is still on track to be ready for Week One, and they're pleased with his progress. And just because he's not practicing doesn't mean that it's trouble in paradise, but you'd kind of like to see him come back and get on the field. You know, Michael Thomas did. He was on the pup list for a day. He's come back. He's had tons of good reports and everybody's getting really excited about Michael Thomas. I'd like to see that happen with Chris Godwin um, to, to have this Bucks offense at, at full strength to begin the year. I guess we just got to keep waiting and seeing. And, and for now, when you're drafting Chris Godwin, you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith. You have May 18th in PPR. Jamie has Godwin 21st. Heath has him 16th. Uh, Jamie, what's the biggest news from over the weekend? I think it's the two the two contracts. You know, the fact that the hold-ins are over. Um, Not Metcalf, in Pittsburgh. Back at practice. Samuel will be back at practice. You don't have to worry about any more trade, you know, discussions with, with Debo Samuel if there actually were, were, were them. Uh, we're, we're taking part. You know, so we'll see now. Uh, hopefully Trey Lance, you know, can, can start to connect with Debo Samuel and we get to see what this 49ers offense looks like, and we get to see how DK Metcalf does with his new quarterback. You know, So I'm glad that we have these stories behind us. All right, well, you missed the big news. I really think it's what the Cowboys and now Jerry Jones are saying about Ezekiel Elliott. Sure. I was thinking, I said this with uh, Chris on FFT and 5 last night. Based on reports, tell me why I should draft Javante Williams ahead of Ezekiel Elliott right now. I was just looking at that. If the Cowboys are talking about him being, you know, they had the what did Jerry Jones say that he has to be the focus of the run game, feature the feature, the feature of the run game, and what Jerry Jones says carries a lot of weight. Uh, and there's still a competition going on, obviously for the RB two spot in Denver, but you know, Javante is probably not going to probably not going to have the same workload that Zeke has. That's my interpretation right now. I don't love, love dissecting quotes because there's a lot of fluff, but I don't think this is. So tell me why, if you still have it this way, why Javante should be drafted ahead of Zeke. If they have the same workload, Javante is going to destroy him. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if that's true, and I'll tell you why. Well, you just said that, though. No, no, I'll tell you why. If they have the same touches, it 
it depends on goal line because I know Zeke is getting all of the touchdowns. I still don't know that in Denver, you know? Well, I mean, look, there, there's obviously some uncertainty with Javante Williams, which is why he's not as he's not ranked as highly, at least for me, as he was prior to the Melvin Gordon return. But the fact that early in camp that Gordon is not working with the first-team offense as much as he is working with the second- and third-team offense tells me that they like Javante enough that they're going to give him the opportunity to win the to be the featured guy, not to win the job. He's obviously the starter, but to be the featured guy. With Zeke, you know he's going to be the featured guy, but just how successful is he going to be? How productive is he going to be? How much of it was the knee? How much of it was just he's starting to really tail off? They lost two offensive linemen this offseason. You know, how much is that going to be uh, of, of an impact that he's not as productive because the line was really something that was saving him and making him a above-average player to an elite player, you know, during his heyday? And so, look, there, there are things about Ezekiel Elliott. The point in his career, the fact that he's already, you know, dealt with an injury that he had to play with, what happens if he gets hurt even more significantly and now he misses time? And Tony Pollard, every time he touched the ball last year, was much more explosive. You know, I, I, I don't care any metrics you want to tell me. My eyes told me enough. And so oh, the metrics I look back you at up. <laughs> the situation in Dallas, I'm avoiding Ezekiel Elliott. The fact that his ADP on Fantasy Pros is 30th, good luck. Enjoy him. I hope he does well for you. I will not be taking him until round four. Okay. Okay. Uh like the passion. All right, so let's do some more news and notes here. Quarterback notes. Uh looks like it's Mitchell Trubisky's job. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky has been told, basically been told it's his job to lose, according to Peter King. It doesn't seem like Kenny Pickett is anywhere close to winning that job. No, but Mason Rudolph has looked good so far. Yeah. Um I would imagine Rudolph will tail off at some point here and Trubisky will will be the replacement for Big Ben. We'll call him Big Mitch. Big <laughs> Mitch. They were they were using picket uh, on holding drills. Like he's he's far away. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I mean, it just but you know, think about it for your projections for that Steelers offense. It's wild because he was considered the most NFL ready quarterback in the draft class. Well, and he's brutal so far. Trey Lance, based on what I've read, I haven't read a lot of good stuff on Trey Lance. I haven't it's read been hot and cold. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read like oh he sucks, but. Something to keep an eye on here. We don't have to dissect it. It's early in camp. They're not even playing with pads. I think that starts today. But uh, not not the greatest start for Trey Lance. Of course, he hasn't had Debo Samuel. Running back news. Talked about Ezekiel Elliott. Joe Mixon, you know, there was this whole thing about how they're over the whole, not him not being on the field on the final drive of the Super Bowl. But he actually said that he was used in the two-minute drill throughout the postseason, but not on that drive. I thought that was interesting. Because you know that would that would signal a more more receiving upside for Mixon, who well did, that's if they carry it over into this year exactly, and he did have a Which pretty they big jump in in catches late in the year when Burrow started throwing more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he'll be on the everyone is a bust list later. Uh, Rams rookie back rookie running back Kyron Williams could return for the third preseason game. Kansas City rookie running back Isaiah Pacheco got some second team work ahead of Ronald Jones. He had some first team work too. Oh, how about that? They are mixing him in, but I'm I'm still scared that the Chiefs are going to mix everybody in, and they're they're going to go full committee at running back. It's it's good though for Edwards Hilaire that the the guy with the most robust resume of the group is not pushing him for touches right now. Jones, right? Yeah. Uh, here are a couple of quotes from ESPN reporters covering their beat from Jamison Hensley for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins is expected to be back by the start of the regular season, but it's uncertain whether he will be at full strength at that point. Gus Edwards is farther behind Dobbins in his recovery and could miss a chunk of the season. And both of them are currently on the pup list, yes? Yes. That's how you're supposed to use the pup list. Right. Uh, Here's one from Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN. Ideally, Tyrion Davis-Price offers short yardage and goal line help with Elijah Mitchell handling the bulk of the work. But injury concerns about Mitchell are real, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see Davis Price and Jeff Wilson involved early and often, even if Mitchell hangs on to the starting spot. The goal line thing there stood out. That would be bad for Mitchell. When you when you go back and watch Davis Price in college, he's he's a physical back. He's a big boy. And it, it kind of made you wonder what what was it about was was that the thing that the 49ers really liked about him? And they figured they can just teach him their you know, wide zone running scheme along the way. Cause I don't know if he was necessarily proficient in that at LSU. Someone who follows LSU could let me know if they think he was. Um, 
it's definitely going to be a mix in San Francisco. It hurts Elijah Mitchell to a significant degree. Okay, and Travis Etienne has been the star of training camp, according to Jaguar Report. And Peter King was at Giants camp, and he came away impressed with Saquon Barkley and rookie wide receiver Wandale Robinson. Let's go to wide receiver news. Chase Claypool. Has Saquon top, cracked the top 12 yet for everybody? Overall? Uh, no, just at running back. Oh, oh he's been there all offseason for me. What about you, Dave? No, he hasn't, but he's pretty much getting there. He's almost in the top 10. I moved ahead of Fournette. All right, Chase Claypool day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Debo Samuel signed a three-year deal. I thought this was interesting. Football Outsiders publishes a list every year of under-the-radar prospects. So for this year, it's players who were drafted in round three or later uh, for the last three seasons, between 2019 and 2021. So not 2022, the three seasons prior to that. Round three or later, and they have not played more than 500 offensive snaps or defensive snaps. They lowered the threshold for running backs. They have not played more than 300 offensive snaps. So their number one kind of under-the-radar prospect for this year is Chargers wide receiver Josh Palmer. And number three is Ramondre Stevenson. So just, just my favorite. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you guys like Stevenson. Palmer doesn't necessarily get drafted, but... Just uh, a name to know. I keep saying it. Between Josh Palmer and K.J. Osborne, they're going to be in offenses that are going to push the ball down the field. They're going to be in situations where you're going to see pass volume be certainly in their favor. And they are an injury away, as we saw last season, from being very relevant and very viable. And potentially, I don't know, league winner if the, is the type of you know designation you want to put on them. But Osborne numbers popped last season when Adam Thielen was out, and they love him. And Palmer's numbers were certainly moving in the right direction toward the end of last season, and they love him. And we know Mike Williams has battled some injuries. And Keenan Allen's getting to a point in his career where maybe you have to worry about that a little bit as he's getting you know, into his early 30s or you know, approaching 30. Um, these are two easy players to take at the end of your draft, and if they struggle or don't get involved early, then that's the type of move you make to move on from them. You might regret it at some point during the season. But they're so cheap, and they have so much upside. They're so worth drafting. Disposable late-round wide receivers. We're always interested in those kinds of guys. They both qualify. Do they also qualify as friendship strategy receivers for those of us in deeper leagues that take an early pick on Justin Jefferson or Keenan Allen or Mike Williams? Absolutely. Or, or Thielen, Thielen. Or, 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 you know, and any any which way you want to shake right. it out. Yeah. Backing up wide receivers typically isn't something that we do. Uh, in the case of the Chargers, guys, I kind of like it because I agree. I think Palmer's a good talent. Okay, so we're talking about Josh Palmer for the Chargers, and and uh, and we could find receivers on other teams. Like as we go along, I mean, you might qualify Valdez Scantling as being one of those guys. Yeah, uh, Van Jefferson, if he were healthy, would be one of those guys. There, as right. we talk about teams, there's plenty of other receivers that could be friendship strategies. Yeah, maybe not so much Van Jefferson right now. <laughs> no, no, because he's hurt. Okay, let's talk more about wide receivers here. Uh, ESPN's Eric Woodyard covers the Lions, and he answered the question, who will lead the Lions in receiving yards? All signs are pointing to St. Brown enjoying a breakout second season after setting numerous rookie records in 2021. St. Brown's production skyrocketed when Lions coach Dan Campbell gave former tight ends coach Ben Johnson a bigger role in play-calling responsibilities. Ben Johnson is now the offensive coordinator and will find creative ways to use the Lions' rising star. And I thought that was interesting because to think about Amonra St. Brown, we always say his production skyrocketed when Swift was out and for most of it when Hawkinson was out. But I don't know that we've ever attributed it to the change in play caller. So that's another way to look at it, and maybe that helps him going into year two. He uh, had a 33% target share Yeah, look, during the I'm, end of last but, season. It's, it's not going to happen I know, but again. he was a top-five receiver, right? So nobody's drafting him to be what he was at the end of last season. He was a no, top-five receiver not. in those six games. He's already discounted. Pretty but he's, he's, he, you're saying he's discounted, yes, based on where he finished, but he's still going as a 23rd receiver off the board on Fantasy Pros. Like, that's... Too early. I just don't understand that. Like, right. could Feels he still early. be in that range? Yes, absolutely. But again, you know, we, we attribute it to the other guys not being there, and, and now you want to attribute it to the play caller. Those guys were there, and they added DJ Chark, you know, in terms of Hawkinson and Swift. He averaged 11 so yards Williams at any point in the season starts to play and produce. Like, how much is he going to be that successful? So... I feel like the, just the situation for him, you know, and I, I think it's almost worth, you know, lumping Elijah Moore in the, in the same boat because, you know, his, his numbers popped in those five games before he got hurt. 
Um, he did it without Zach Wilson. You know, St. Brown did it without the other guys on the field. You know, there, there are legitimate things you can point to and say, okay, this is maybe why this happened. Hopefully it's not the case. You know, and, and Adam, you brought this up that Elijah Moore's real world talent versus his fantasy production. You know, something that I said about Stefan Diggs prior to going to Buffalo. Sometimes it just doesn't marry each other. They don't marry each other. You know, and I think that could be the case with Moore and for St. Brown. Um, look, I, you asked me at the end of the NFL draft last year, who's the guy that I think could be a, a surprise receiver? This was the guy that I told you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, based on his, his scenario, because it wasn't crowded. Now it's a little bit more crowded. Just don't trust him as much. Yeah. I feel like as we've gone through the offseason, there have been three players that I feel like I've been higher on than everyone else. And I, I do need to just clarify. And those players to me are Joe Burrow, probably Dawson Knox, and Amon St. Brown. And higher on than all of my colleagues, but I still think they're all being overdrafted, right? Like St. Brown's going ahead of Adam Thielen, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Michael Thomas. Right? I mean, I, he is way too high, <laughs> way too high. Dawson Knox is tight end 10. I think that's too high. Uh, Joe Burrow is QB five or something like that. That's too high. Six. Six. It depends. Right. It depends where you look. But so, well, even though I, it's like I'm making the case for these guys, but still agreeing with you that they're busts. I just, I'm probably I draft them before you guys do, but totally think they're they're going too high. You know how many targets he had inside of ten yards during his six game streak? Three. Lower. Negative three. Two. <laughs> Two. Okay. Six games. Carson Wentz seems to have a good connection with Jahan Dotson. And Aaron Rodgers likes his wide receivers. And Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard or Amon or St. Brown? Who'd you take? Lazard. Lazard, which sounds weird to say, but like a situation there. Okay. Tight end news. Pat Fryermuth has a minor hamstring injury. And Taysom Hill, who's a tight end, is out with injured ribs. And offensive line news. Tampa Bay center Ryan Jensen is going to be out for a significant amount of time. Not necessarily the whole season, but a significant amount of time. Chicago center Lucas Patrick is out indefinitely with a hand injury. Yeah, he broke his hand. Yeah, and that's a bad line. Not a good thing line. when you're a center. And Kansas City left tackle Orlando Brown will report to camp today. He will play this season on the franchise tag. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to do our best. Everyone is a bus is a fun show, but usually we don't have the Deshaun Watson breaking news eating into the episode. So we'll do our best to get to as many as we can. Bus cases for the elite players. Uh, do we buy them? How how legit are these bus cases? How much should you be concerned? We'll take a break. We'll come right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. So we're, we're being uh, Debbie Downer today, negative Nancy, Dave Downer. Uh, what, what's a negative Jamie, Jay? I don't know. Unfortunately, there's nothing negative about me these days. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, Dave is referring to his COVID results. He's still testing positive 10 days Ten days in. Still? Man. Still. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like you're feeling better. Yes, yes, yes. I don't sound like uh, Barry White anymore. Well, we missed. we do miss that. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> all right. Well, so that case, I'm going to make all of you make a bus case. Both of you make a bus case, and the other one will tell... Tell us, uh, tell the listeners, the viewers, if you agree with it. Jamie, Jonathan Taylor is number one in ADP. Make a bust case. Everyone is a bust, including Jonathan Taylor. The bust case for Jonathan Taylor is his role in the passing game gets worse because of an increase in Naheem Hines' role. He does not score as many touchdowns because Matt Ryan, they trust him more in the red zone, and he does not lead the NFL in rushing. 
So he goes from the number one, this is non-injury related, but he goes from the number one overall selection and number one overall pick to more of a late first, early second round selection because of the downturn in production, especially in PPR. And you regret drafting him ahead of a healthy Christian McCaffrey or anybody else at the running back position. You buy it, Dave? No, not at all. This is the hardest player to make a bus case for. He's, I, 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 <laughs> he's he's scored in I think 18 of his last 23 games. He's the total package as far as running backs go. He's young, he's strong. Even though Matt Ryan's there, I still think they're going to be uh, a run-centric offense. I think they'll revolve around Taylor. Maybe not quite as much as last year, but still a good amount. I don't I think Naheem Hines is probably going to take work away from the other pass catchers more so than Jonathan Taylor. As long as he's upright and he's running, he's just an absolute cannonball. And I think there, I think there's a chance. I don't know if he can do better touchdown-wise than what he did last year, but I think he can rumble for another 2,000 yards this year and uh, 2,000 total yards. And I think he'll be well worth the number one pick in that he will be a consistent stat producer for fantasy managers all year long. The one thing, uh, just, just I know you want to move on, but uh, – Frank Reich saying when he was touting Naeem Hines that they got too run-centric for him was the only thing that kind of you know made me a little bit like, oh, what does that mean? And then you go back and you look, and how much of it was a Carson Wentz situation or how much of it was just that Jonathan Taylor was that good? I hope it was that Jonathan Taylor was that good because this is when he became an MVP candidate. But I think it was their first eight games. I think he only had one game with more than 20 total touches. And then in his last nine, when they went six and three, he had eight of those over 20 total touches. And so if they want to throw the ball more, where does it come at the expense of? Now, again, sure. you know, this, this is clearly just nitpicking because we all have Taylor ranked first. Um, you know, I, I did hear something, and I know you want to move on. Is McCaffrey next? Because we can yep. just. Um, I, I just want to point out. Jonathan Taylor scored the fewest PPR fantasy <clears throat> points for a number, run, number one running back since 2015. And that was in the first game, first year where we had 17 games. So he played 17 games and he scored the fewest PPR fantasy points for a number one running back since 2015. So I actually think that it's the hardest player to make a bus case for. But since he's going to go number one in most leagues, he does have more bus. Like, like for example, I think Dalvin Cook is very hard to make a performance based bus case for. I was trying to do what that. McCaffrey. Week. McCaffrey, of course. But mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook might go seventh or eighth. So. You know, if he plays like the 12th best player, it won't feel like that much of a bust. If Jonathan Taylor plays like the 12th best player, it's going to feel like a bigger bust, if that makes sense. Yes. I, sure. I mean, look, you know, you're, you're, you're talking, it's mostly McCaffrey because I don't think anybody's taking Dalvin Cook ahead of Jonathan Taylor. It's, and, and I found this question interesting. I forget who posed it on Twitter, so I apologize. Um, make a case for Taylor over McCaffrey without saying injury. In, in non or half PPR it, in any format. Oh, well, he's, you know, he's going to score a lot more touchdowns. It's that simple. Okay. So do it in PPR. I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm just not going the, to. The case is that, you know, the fantasy world and, and the skeptical fantasy managers aren't the only ones that are worried about Christian McCaffrey breaking down and that the Panthers are going to take steps to start limiting how well, where much is their example they, they play him. What do you mean? Matt well, he hasn't played that. a game yet since. But, Matt, but, but nobody said that though. You're you're just speculating. No, there. Matt Rule has said a number of times we need to keep him healthy. Yes, and but you've already seen him in practice. He's been sitting out of practices. Look, they they. This isn't to say that when it's third down and six, he's going to be off the field. Um, I I'm worried about but again. Him take not take health out of the touches. equation. Take no. health out of the equation. Is this taking health out of the equation? Yeah. Because this is performance based, James. If he's not playing 25 touches a game. And if, if God forbid he doesn't get every single goal line carry like he used to get, this this is going to lower the ceiling for him a little bit. He's still going to be really good when he's healthy. Still going to average right around 24, 25 fantasy points per game. That is better than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. But th- I am positive the Panthers coaching staff, on, on one hand, they need to win. But on the other hand, they know that they are, they cannot win without Christian McCaffrey. So what's, so the, I bet, what's the best I bet approach a lot of the Panthers? Is it to run Christian McCaffrey into the ground, or is it trying to preserve? And, and I'm, I'm not saying this because I know I'm. I, I, no, I no, no, no. It's potent. I think if they find themselves to be a competitive team this year, they're going to take the reins off of McCaffrey, and then when he, if he, so gets what did you do that early? 
Uh, I don't know if they do. And when the, the type of carries that I'm thinking they don't give Christian McCaffrey are going to be second and seven in late first quarter. Not they're not hurrying up or anything like that. Like that's though that's an easy carry. That's an easy rep to not give him, especially if they're going to throw on that rep. I'm a little worried about what Deontay Foreman means as far as short yardage goal line goes. And are they going to take McCaffrey out of those situations? That would shock because me. there's going to be so much. I, I think that they shock will you? some of the times. Really? I think they will some of the times, but not but that's not for, every That's time. for a lot of running backs, though. It is. But part of Christian McCaffrey's appeal is that he scores tons of touchdowns. And anything that takes off five touchdowns off the course of the season. I don't think that's Christian McCaffrey. It hurt a little bit. Is that you're not drafting him to score touchdowns. You're drafting no, you're also to be, drafting him to catch you're 100 drafting passes. You're drafting him to catch 100 passes. Right. I don't know if he gets that high. I really don't. I think that there's a chance that they hold him back a little bit uh, until they're really comfortable with his health and they're really in a playoff race. So Matt Rule did say that he wants the offense to be a little bit more diverse in, in terms of the players that are involved. Right? He just felt like they were too dependent on Moore and McCaffrey, basically. Specifically Moore, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I guess you could say the Panthers spread the ball around a little bit more, ease up on the workload for McCaffrey. I mean, I'm looking at in 2020, in half PPR, he averaged 27.3 points per game. That was only in three games. Uh, let me see what he did in 2019 in half PPR. Uh, 25.7, whereas number two was Derrick Henry at 19 points. So funny that in half PPR, he's better than mm-hmm. the guy who's the next year was in full PPR. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Um, I don't know. It's hard to make a bust case for McCaffrey. That's not health-based Dave. I think you're doing it, uh, but I think you still acknowledge that he's, he's, he's amazing. So it's, just if I'm drafting with people like me, I'm taking him fifth overall. I just think that there, there's going to be at least two or three people in every single draft that will not care at all that McCaffrey got hurt the past two years and they're going to, they're going to have amnesia for it and they're going to take them as early as they possibly can. And I'm not saying that it's going to be wrong. Yeah. It could be time. will tell if that's wrong or right. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, talk about, Oh, by the way, here's a question. How much does Baker throw to running backs? Um, about 20%. But you know Most what? Of his years in Cleveland, it was about 20%. Cam Newton, Cam Newton never threw to his running backs. And then he threw over and over and over again to to Christian McCaffrey. If you have Christian McCaffrey and you don't throw to your running backs, you're you're doing you're it idiot. wrong. Plus, yeah. he, he doesn't just line up out of the backfield. Right? He'll line up out wide and slot, whatever. All right, Austin Eckler. Dave, make the bust case for Austin Eckler. He was number two overall in all formats. He was number three per game in all formats behind Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he had uh, 70 catches. And in week week one, he had zero targets. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, but anyway, make your bus case for Austin Eckler. I believe he's coming off of a career year. 20 touchdowns for him, 1,558 total yards. Those are both career highs. And the Chargers thought so much of it that they drafted Isaiah Spiller, who for, for the draft capital they used was an excellent pick. Uh, he's an, he's a quality three-down player. He's good at catching the ball out of the backfield. Certainly a more physical running back than Austin Eckler was considered before last season. Eckler is also on a team with a ton of great pass catchers. Not only do they have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, we've already talked about Josh Palmer. They added Gerald Everett at tight end. They're going to be able to spread the ball around quite a bit this year in L.A. And they also have themselves one of the better-looking defenses on paper. That might mean that they actually slow down some of the offenses that they face. That means that there could be more running. Will the coaching staff put Eckler in the four-minute drill when they've got somebody like Spiller who can be a good sustainer and a good physical back to help grind down the clock late in the fourth quarter? Eckler can be a good fantasy running back, but I don't think he's got a shot to really hit that upside that we saw last year. Jamie, you, you, you buy Do you it? believe it? You buy that bus case for Eckler? Um, I don't buy the bus case for him in terms of being a first-round pick if he stays healthy. But I don't know if he's going to finish as a top-five guy based on history. And this is what makes me concerned about him and Henry and um, you know these guys that are getting a little bit older. Uh, Fournette, Connor. Uh, it's five years since a 27-year-old running back has been a top six. 27 or plus running back has been a top six PPR guy. Yeah, LeSean McCoy. And Eckler's 27 and Henry's 27. Plus, or 27 plus. Right. So can they buck that trend? Sure. Um, 
He's not the typical. He's not the typical twenty-seven-year-old, right? He doesn't have totally. All you know, the and, and, and tear. you know, this is why I feel more comfortable about him than Henry uh, in PPR. Is that anytime you have a guy that's going to make the majority of his production successful production, um, without having to rely on touchdowns, or uh, let me rephrase: anybody that can be successful without having to rely on touchdowns, you feel a little bit more safer about. And so, yeah. you know, there was a little bit, if you, if you go back to uh, Justin Herbert's rookie season, remember when he first came back from, I, I, mean, I believe he missed two or three games for an injury. He wasn't throwing to Eckler as much. And then all of a sudden it was just like, it was nonstop to Eckler. And then that carried over to last year. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of that had to do more with Anthony Lynn and his just, you know, in, inept play calling. Um, but, you know, Brandon Staley's offense and, and, and Lombardi's offense and what they do, um, getting Eckler the ball, as long as he's not coming off the field, significantly for Isaiah Spiller. He should be a star. Okay, yeah, I mean, the Spiller thing could be interesting because he dominated carries near the goal line. And also, he caught... I think the easiest case to make against Eckler is he caught eight touchdowns last year. He is the only running back since Marshall Falk in 2020 and 20, uh, 20, 2000 and 2001 to have eight or more receiving touchdowns, and Eckler has done it twice. So you can buy it a little bit, but he also had two receiving touchdowns in 2020. So if that number comes down, he could be a little bit disappointing, particularly in non or half PPR. All right, Cooper. Does it help Cup. that all the receiving touchdowns came in the red zone? Yeah, but no. But did you see the stat I tweeted last night? I did not. <laughs> I was looking at where his touchdowns came from, and yes, they did come in the red zone. But, but only they, one from inside the five. Only one from inside the five. Only two of his eight came from inside the ten, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, Alvin Kamara. I was like, what does that look like compared to Kamara, the, the other prominent pass-catching running back? I didn't look at McCaffrey yet. But Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler have combined for 34 receiving touchdowns. Join this off memory here. In their careers. And 24 of them came from outside, 10 yards out or longer. It's very weird. Those guys catch a lot of touchdowns and rarely from inside the 10-yard line. It It's... I don't know what to make of it. I even said, I have no idea. I'm just tweeting it. But yeah, all right. Anyway, let's go to Cooper Cup. Jamie, make the bus case for Cooper Cup, who was the number one non-quarterback in all formats last year. Pretty sure. Could be wrong about that in non-PPR, but certainly in half and full. He goes from having breakfast with Matthew Stafford to only lunch and dinner, and that ruins all of their plans, and everything goes awry. Um, uh, he was not I, number one in in, in half in non-PPR. I'm sorry. Not even close. Taylor crushed him. But sorry, um, go ahead. Allen Robinson proves to be a better running mate than he's ever had, certainly better than he had last year, so better than Pete Robert Woods and better than what Odell Beckham and Woods combined to be last season. Um, teams now decide they're going to just put three guys on him and say, you're not getting open. We're going to make Matthew Stafford go elsewhere. Um, you know, you noted this uh, when we were having the Cam Akers conversation, but Pro Football Focus disagrees with you about, off- about the offensive line, but let's just say the offensive line is bad. And no, not bad, not, not bad. <laughs> Just, just significantly worse, but maybe well, of the significantly pack. worse. Uh, you know, they don't consider them to be significantly worse. Okay. Um, but if they are significantly worse, and you know, Stafford doesn't have time to to connect with Cooper Cup. Um, again, you know, the, these guys that we're talking about here are, barring injury, I think still have the path to being you know first round caliber talents. A matter of are they top five, top ten, or are they you know bottom ten, or, or toward the end of the top ten, or you know closer to fifteen. I think if Cooper Cup stays healthy, you know, he's he's certainly proven to be a target hog and and uh, a significant pass catcher, whether it was Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. Stafford just unleashed him, and hopefully that continues. Dave, what do you yeah. think about that bus case? I think you can make a stronger bus case. He he had never been over nine targets per game. I think it's even eight and a half targets per game until last year, and then he averaged 11.2 targets per game. It feels unlikely to repeat at 11.2 targets per game. Does he fall back to where he's been over most of his career, which is right around, well, in 2020, he was 8.3. 2019, he was 8.4. Does he fall back to there? And is that enough of a drop to open the door for someone like Justin Jefferson to just win on volume? Because Jefferson had almost 10 targets per game last year, and that's an offense that's expected to throw more this year. So could that cost Cooper Cup? Could Allen Robinson cost Cooper Cup? Could I be dead wrong on Cam Akers? And Acres is just the engine of this Rams offense, and they and they decide that they're they're going to be a little bit more balanced than they were last year. They were sixty percent pass last year. Do they tone that down? Do they tone it down because Stafford's arm might be an issue? Remember, he's kind of on a pitch count in camp this year. So I, I think there's I think there's plenty more that can go wrong for Cup 
compared to somebody like Jonathan Taylor uh, that could see his numbers go down. I've spent a lot of time debating in my mind Cup versus Jefferson, and I just I I don't see enough of a target drop. I don't think he'll go as far as eight point four. I think he'll be still right around ten targets per game. And if he's getting the same amount of targets per game as Jefferson, I'll take Cup to have the better year. All right, next up is Derrick Henry, but I'm going to switch the order here and just go with Jefferson. Let's go right into it. I'm going to make the bus case for Justin Jefferson. I'm just going to give you these numbers. Um, He was a lot better before Adam Thielen got hurt. And before Thielen got hurt, he was on pace for 151 targets. Still great numbers. 1,587 yards, nine touchdowns on 151 targets. And then after Thielen got hurt, that jumped up to... 196 targets. So he went from 151 target pace to a 196 target pace. Numbers were great both times, but they were better, obviously, without Thielen. You have to point out that in the three games leading up to the Thielen injury, uh, he started to really get going. So it started, and then Thielen got hurt and barely played over the last six games of the season, and Jefferson went nuts. And that, by the way, that pace for Jefferson with the, those last six games without Thielen included the Sean Mannion game, which was, which was awful. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's the case. I mean, that's the case right there uh, for Jefferson. He's he's being drafted as wide receiver two. Last year he was wide receiver four per game. So he's never been he's never been wide receiver two. It's almost like how dare he in two years never get there. Yeah, but it's also it's also like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams got traded and their values fell a little bit. So it's it's pushed Jefferson up perhaps. Um, and he did get a boost when Thielen was was off the field. So that's the bus case. That's included in the red zone. He's He hasn't been a dominator in the red zone like other receivers that you would expect to take this high in a fantasy draft would be. 2021, he had 20 targets in the red zone. He caught seven of them for touchdowns. Three of the seven touchdowns came with Thielen out. In 2020, he only had 10 red zone targets. I remember talking about this with him going into last year. Barely targeted in the red zone, only one of his three touchdowns that came in the red zone as a rookie came with Thielen out. So I'm, I'm, and that was only one game. I, I, I get a little bit worried about that, but then I also understand that this is a new coaching staff, and I figure I, I'm putting a lot of faith in Kevin O'Connell that he will be a lot more attentive toward the passing game, won't be so stodgy like Mike Zimmer was. He likes his quarterback. Did you see what Mike Zimmer said about Kirk Cousins and that come from behind game from last year? That was something. They obviously did not get along. I think Cousins will get along with O'Connell. It means a lot of throwing, and I think there will be ways for Justin Jefferson to have another very good year. Okay. Um, In other words, I don't believe that the red zone woes are going to continue. Okay. I yeah. think that will yeah, thing... revert a little. And I know you guys are expecting a big boost. They were 11th in pass attempts last year. So... You know, it's not it's not about a boost in volume. It's about how the 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 passes are distributed and and, and the the routes are changed and the tempo is different. I mean, you know, they were they were forced to throw last year because their defense fell apart. I don't care if their defense is 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 healthy. You're going to see throws on first down. They didn't do that with a re- on a regular basis. You're going to see just you know second and one where Mike Zimmer would call a run play. They're going to take shots. It's it's a it's a different feel for Kevin O'Connell. He's talked about that. The players have talked about that. So, you know, when, when teams are expecting them to run, they're going to throw, you know, until, until teams adjust, they should have some success. Okay. Let's go to Derrick Henry then. Uh, and just to speed things up, I think it's a, it's an easy bus case in it's a, it's a health thing, right? He's older and coming off the foot injury. Um, I don't know that there's a really, is there a performance bus case? The only thing is, you know, he, he ran for 2000 yards and in full PPR, he was in not half and full PPR. He ran for 2,000 yards in 2020, and he was RB4 per game. And actually, he was RB3 in non-PPR per game because he just has no no receiving production. Um, he, However, he, was on, he did have 18 catches in eight games last year, so he was on pace for 38 catches, which would have been by far a career high. Uh, is there a performance bus case for Derrick Henry, Dave? I don't think so. Not unless you tie it to the injury. I don't think the Titans are going to do what I think the Panthers might do with McCaffrey and say, whoa, 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 we, we, we need our big horse healthy. We need to you know, start giving more work to other running backs here. And they take him off the field. And maybe they do take him off the field in certain situations where you don't expect him to get a, a, a touch anyway, like third downs. 
I, I think their identity revolves around Derrick Henry. I think they're comfortable with where he's at in his recovery. He's practicing uh, the injury he's coming back from. It is a problem, but it's not a soft tissue injury. As long as he's comfortable playing on the foot, and my guess is that he is, he's already had one game coming back from the broken foot. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine. I think he's still going to get a lot of work. He led running backs in touches per game last year. He averaged over 23 PPR points per game last year. Again, that's not as high as McCaffrey's highs, but that's still really good. And you mentioned that he finished fourth in PPR per game two years ago. That's the lowest he's been each of the last three years in PPR. Yeah, I think, and and I, I look at the division. Houston's run defense doesn't scare me. Jacksonville's run defense doesn't scare me. Indianapolis doesn't have Shaquille Leonard anymore in the middle of that defense, at least not right now. We'll see if he comes back and he's fine. I, I think he could just go on a mad run again this year and just be yeah, – everyone will look back and shake, her, like shake their heads and say, all right, yeah, he's not going to catch 50 balls, but he's still running for 150 yards and scoring at least one touchdown a week. Jamie, I've got a better bus case for Derrick Henry. This offense is a sinking ship. Ryan Tannehill regressed last year. They don't have A.J. Brown anymore. We're relying on Robert Woods and a rookie to be their receiving game. Um, their offensive line could suck this year. PFF has them pre, pre-training camp as 27th. Um, they lost an offensive tackle and an offensive guard who were actually very good in run blocking last year, but bad in pass blocking. His efficiency went way down last year. 4.3 yards per carry was super low for Derrick Henry. Um, where are some warning signs for a guy who does not catch passes who could be on a bad offense? Yikes. Do you buy that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't have a right that way, but I buy it. You know, I can certainly see that that happening. Um, he's an alien, you know, so he's, you know, able to overcome a lot of these things, and I think he will. Um, but again, you know, history is not on his side for finishing at this level. History has also been something that he's, you know, proven that he can, you know, shatter uh, by bouncing back from a 2,000-yard season and, and, and performing at a high level. Most guys that run for 2,000 yards don't do that. So, you know, he's got that, that league rushing title, within his sights and I'm sure he will compete for it. Um, he's got the opportunity once again to score 15 touchdowns again, 15 plus touchdowns again. I hope he has the opportunity to be a, a 30 catch guy, but uh, he's just somebody for whatever reason I tend to avoid based on where you have to draft him. Like I'm taking Cooper cup and Justin Jefferson ahead of him in PPR. Uh, I'm taking McCaffrey and Eckler ahead of him in PPR. And so I haven't had the opportunity yet in a draft uh, probably because of Dave, because Dave's high on, on Henry where, if Dave's picking in front of me, um, to see him fall to that six, seven, eight spot, which is where I think he's probably going to end up. I don't know where his ADP is right now, but right, um, that won't happen unless I'm picking first. Uh, right, you know. So, but to be honest, I, I think just looking at the the people that we draft with, and we draft with a lot of the same people, which will change. Um, I don't know if 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 Dave is the only one that's as optimistic on Derrick Henry because he tends to not necessarily get selected in those first three to five picks. I saw him going round two in a draft yesterday. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. An FFPC draft. Well, he's fifth in ADP. He's fifth in PPR ADP. I think people probably see a lot of similarities between Henry and and Jonathan Taylor. What's the difference to you guys other than age? Age, big. Offensive line, big. I think think the offense and the offensive line definitely hurts. I don't see there being somebody like Naheem Hines in the Tennessee offense that could potentially take work away from Henry. And I would be encouraged by the 18 catches in eight games. Yeah, they were very, very front-loaded. They had nine catches, I think, in his first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but even after that, he was on like a 28-catch pace, I think, or 26, 20-something like that, which is better than what he'd done before. His career high is 19. But maybe without A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, for what's that's, what that's worth. Yeah. There was only one sure. game last year that he played without Brown and Julio, and he had two catches on two targets. So it was a small sample size, but... Um, maybe the only other thing I would add is that Tennessee tends to be a smart, smartly coached team. They find a way, they find ways to win. Yeah. Well, I think using him about 30 carries a game last year or whatever was probably not smart. (laughs) Right. Well, it ended up biting them in the butt. Yeah. And then he comes back in the playoffs. Sure. Crazy workload, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. All right. We're going to stop here. That's the top six. We'll do uh, the second six tomorrow. I was hoping to do round one and round two, but that's okay. We've got a fun week coming up. We've got value-based drafting, an explanation uh, for what value-based drafting is, why it could help you on draft day on Wednesday. 
And Thursday is quarterbacks, and thir- Friday is tight ends. We'll be previewing those positions, getting getting ready for, for drafts. They're coming up for a lot of people. So thank you very much, everybody. Please hit like. Oh, we got a draft Tuesday night. Oh, yes. We have a live mock draft only on YouTube, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Be there for it. 8 p.m. again, Tuesday night, youtube.com slash today. If you're a listener and you don't go to our YouTube channel, please go to youtube.com slash today, and we'll see you at 8 p.m. there. And Obviously, all of our podcasts stream there as well. You can watch us live. Okay, that's it for today's show. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.